0: if you are honest with the people that you have relationships with, then even if you are giving bad news sometimes, then at least they have time to digest, time to understand, um, time to come around to, to what is happening. Oh yeah.
1: How does that fit in to a cohesive, larger
0: vision? We will always have enough cash around. Strictly business, business, just
1: business. Hi finance leaders, and welcome to CFO Year, your new favorite finance podcast. I'm Patrick, and I get to speak with finance leaders who are helping interesting companies reach their full potential. In this episode, I spoke with Mark Yates, finance director at Permutive. Permutive is a data platform for publishers, showing you who's on your site and how they interact with your brand. It uses a unique approach to target content to audiences on their first visit built on edge computing rather than the cloud. The distinction is fascinating and it's something we explored in this interview. Permutive raised an $18.5 million Series B in mid 2020 and has clients including Buzzfeed, The Economist, and Insider. Prior to this role, Mark was VP Finance at Adbrain and held leadership roles at Beamly and Square Meal. We spoke about his feelings around fundraising and acquisitions, why CFOs should care about customer data, and how finance leadership evolves in a fast-growing company. As always, the show is brought to you by CFO Connect, a global community for finance leaders. Join us at cfoconnect.eu, and you can email podcast at cfoconnect.eu with any questions or feedback. Mark Yates, welcome to CFO Year.
0: Hi, Patrick. Thank you very much for having me on. We're very excited.
1: And um, let's start with our favorite question to ask. What do our listeners need to know about Mark Yates?
0: Um, So I am finance director of Permitiv. We're an edge-based data management company. I've been with the company now for for two and a half years. Um, I have been a chartered accountant for many more years than that, uh, about 15 years now. Um, always been in finance, always been in startups, that is what floats my boat.
1: Fantastic. And I've seen, you know, from a little bit of um, LinkedIn spying, that many of those startups have had a sort of media tint to them. Um, so I wonder if that's a particular focus for you, if that's something that you're really interested in is media and the data behind media.
0: I would say it's not specifically media. Um, it's it's the triangulation of where media, data, and technology or um, meets. That's that's the thing that really interests me. Um, as we are working through industries that are changing significantly, um, just the, the the different methods that companies are choosing to tackle problems that have been around for for an awful long time. Uh, that's what really interests me. Um, and then also from a from a data privacy standpoint, that is changing all the time. So how companies are um, approaching and tackling and solving the problems that are surrounding uh, around media data um, and using different technologies to solve those. That's that's what's what I find really interesting.
1: Well, I guess it's now's the perfect time to maybe go a bit deeper into what Permutive does specifically.
0: Sure. So we are um, an edge-based data management platform. Uh, we work with large enterprise publishers who have a lot of traffic, a lot of uh, a lot of visitors onto their sites. Um, and we allow um, those companies to understand the the audience, um, put them into different segments and then use those segments for targeting, whether that is targeted advertisement, targeted content, to be able to understand their audience and do something uh, with them. Um, I say edge-based, probably worth describing what that is compared to um, other technologies that have been doing doing this for for a while. we say that edge-based technology is the processing um, at the location at which the data is, uh, is generated. So in most cases, that is someone's phone or, or a device or a laptop or, or the browser itself. Um, and that differentiates from um, cloud-based processing where you collect the information on a device, you send it to a cloud, you process it there, and then you gather intelligence. So what we're able to do is to gather that intelligence actually on the device there, um, and, and that has a couple of benefits. So there's the privacy for the end users themselves. You're not leaking that information into um, central servers that are housing um, all of these large quantities of data. You're just you know, you're you're storing it only on um, on your device. Um, and a great example of this is, um, is, is face technology. Uh, face recognition technology on on your phone today. Lots of users. Um, this is the way that they get into their phones. Um, this is edge-based processing, so that the your pictures of your face are not being sort stored on computers somewhere on servers somewhere. They're stored just on your device, and it's your device that um, is clever enough now to be able to get you access into into your into your phone. Um, and so that's what we say that edge-based processing is. I'm um, actually putting intelligence into the devices um, uh, at the point at which data is created um, and then not leaking it into, into servers elsewhere.
1: I can see why that's a massive advantage to the end user. For example, me logging into my phone, I actually didn't know that that wasn't going off to a server uh, and I'm really happy to hear that. So that's fantastic. I can be a lot happier every time my phone or my computer scans my face. The same for a visitor to um, one of the sites that you uh, work with. I can see why that's a big advantage for them knowing, well, they may not know, but sort of if you can communicate it well, eventually them knowing that their information is not being shared or saved or stored. Why is it a big advantage for the businesses or the, the media companies that you're working with?
0: As we're seeing a large increase in the number of devices that are being created, whether that's um, you know the the massive increase in mobile phones that are being used today. Um, as we go into Internet of Things, uh, we're going from millions to billions to trillions of devices, all of which are going to be generating data. Um, we're we're kind of at that tipping point now, where we, where the cloud is not going to be able to process all the information that these individual devices are, are creating. And um, so there needs to be another method of being able to process, store that information so that devices can do something with that information. Um, so simply for the customers, it is being able to generate so much more information and do things, clever things with that information. That means that they can, you know, we, we've, we've lived in a world now of a couple of years of big data. We're going to be moving into a world of even bigger data um, where the cloud is not going to be mm-hmm. sufficient enough, no matter how many um, how many server buildings, how many data centers that Microsoft, Google, Facebook, Apple, however many they build, there's just not going to be enough power in the world to be able to generate, um, store, process all of that that information that's been created. So actually, being able to distribute um, distribute that information, that processing onto the devices themselves, make the devices more clever. Um, so that they can take decisions um, without having to send the information to service so that they can make decisions there, Um, that means that uh, we can generate more information um, and process more decisions off of that information there.
1: Does that mean that, again, the, the companies that you're working with, regarding their relationship with you, they simply have fewer legal hassles or compliance hassles to worry about. I'm thinking about, you know, if a company, any company really, that has a bunch of different uh, service providers, then as the CFO or the chief legal officer or whomever, you're having to worry about where all of that data is and how it's being stored. So simply by going with edge um, computing or edge technology, that's just one fewer data source that you have to worry about from a legal point of view.
0: I don't think we've solved that problem completely yet, um, but I certainly believe that this is the journey that gets us to um, to being much better at solving that problem. Um, so unfortunately, we're not going to uh, not give any headaches to lawyers with, with our problem, especially as we, mm-hmm. we're, we're dealing in the world of advertising, um, yeah. where regulators, browsers are making some significant changes to the way that, that they're working. Regulators are taking a, a really um, interesting look into into this space. So this is not the um not 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 the the, the thing that solves it completely. Um, but I certainly think it's the it's the journey that that gets us to a point where everyone's information is not just out there for anyone else to be able to pick up. Um, it, it, the idea is that it puts the power back into the individual um, so that they understand what information of theirs is being seen um, and they have a lot more control over it.
1: What do you, as the finance director, do?
0: Um, so, me as finance director of a mm. smaller business, uh, probably a very different question to um, to a finance director at, uh, at larger businesses. So, I do wear many hats. I uh, right now I'm in charge of finance and legal. Um, so, from a finance perspective, making sure that the information that the business puts out um, is Useful for the business um, and timely, so that we can we can make some some business critical decisions based off of it. Um, whether that is historical or forward looking, uh, it is also about making sure that we have the money in the bank to be able to to do what we what uh, uh, what what we have plans for the business. So whether that's going out for fundraising, um, debt facilities, um, what what whatever what what have you. Um, from that regard, um, and then making sure that we are compliant as a business. So whether that um, uh, the, 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 we've got all our tax um, in place, uh, making sure that from a legal perspective, our um, commercial uh, contracts are are solid, um, making sure that. Uh, from, a, again, another legal perspective. We have everything that we should do from a corporate perspective. Um, mm. pr- primarily for me, that is uh, so that if someone was to come sniffing, then we could just hand them over a set of documents and say, here you go, this is why we are um, we are compliant. Um, and that is more from a due diligence perspective as opposed to uh, needing to um, put anything in front of regulators. Um, but I think it's the same, it's the same journey, whether you're a listed company, um, or a small company, although, albeit you you might have a few less resources and, uh, the requirements might not be as stringent, but you want to be able to have, um, a solid a house as, or a solid f- a foundation as possible so that you can build your, your house on top of it.
1: And to try to always be ready for any kind of audit. Absolutely. Well, perhaps another way of asking that same question that I just asked, um, because i'm I'm always interested in in to some extent in the day to day what have you been working on this week?
0: um absolutely nothing at all because i've I've taken this week off as holiday which has been um odd and lovely at the same time in the, in the at the, this time um last week very much um finalizing our our year end so our, our year end finishes at the end of january so making sure that those results are are good to go um and we actually also had our kickoff week for the company, um, mm. which is a very different environment this year compared to previous years. Um, so I suppose finance and legal is is strange compared to the rest of the business in that we both look back and look forwards um, uh, at various different points. So when we've just finished a period, whether that's a month, a quarter, a year, um we want to extract as much information out of what we've just done, but also need to extrapolate that forward so we can we can see where we're going. Um so the end of the year is a a good time to to get some perspective on on how we've done what we want to do for next year.
1: But thinking about that kickoff um, that company kickoff, I've had a lot of conversations recently uh, actually really, frankly, over the last year since you know, obviously things have changed a lot. And one of the sort of trends or one of the things that keeps coming up is the idea that all of a sudden other teams in the company are much more attuned to what finance is doing. And I wonder if you had a specific um, objective during that kickoff to really put the company in that financial context for everybody there, to really help them understand what your aims were, what the company's aims were financially, as opposed to just, you know, generating business, et cetera. Um Has that changed at all, given the recent you know the the context that we're in at the moment?
0: I don't believe where I am, um, but that is because the founders have instilled a very open and transparent view of the business ever since inception. So um, they they have wanted to make sure that people in the in the business, whether that is people on the leadership team or or someone who starts um, who started last week, has the information so that they can see what is important to the business of which one of those is going to be financial. Um, I definitely agree with you that whereas before finance has never really, um, for a lot of people, finance won't have been important to them, all of a sudden it's turned on its head so that um, mm-hmm. everyone needs to make financial decisions for the business because um, you know industries have, have, have stopped Dead for, for months on end, and um, people are having to make pivots, drastic changes to the way that they're doing businesses. Um, I think making sure that finance is visible um, when you're talking to the whole company is more important now than it ever has been before.
1: What is Permutive's business model?
0: So, we are a, um, a B2B saAS business so we mm-hmm. charge license fees to use our technology um, and um, it is housed remotely so it's not as if there is software that people um, have to download people um, uh, essentially people deploy our script onto their website so that mm-hmm. they can um, make use of um, of the technologies and make use of the analytics that that we can provide to them
1: But most of your larger customers are media companies. Are all of your customers media companies, or could other say, could another B2B SaaS brand um, happily use permutive?
0: It depends what you want to get out of the information that you generate. Um, Mm -hmm. so you have to be large, you have to uh, all of our customers um, have millions of, um. Of, of people who come to their websites, millions of, of unique users or millions of page views that are seen on your um, digital properties on a monthly basis. Um, without generating that big data, you 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 don't have um, the, the the kind of information that you can create to to make use of it. If and again, it comes back to what what you are wanting to get out of it. So the problem that we solve today is very much specific to the advertising. Um, targeted advertising, targeted content piece. Um, so if you generate information by by having many, many people come to your um, your properties um, and kind of coming back to to edge based, um, it is relevant in a really short period of time and it is advantageous to make decisions there and then, then yes. Um, but the 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 real the main focus we're trying to solve right now is um, is around advertising.
1: If you're enjoying this conversation, then you've got to check out CFO Connect, the global community for modern finance leaders like the ones on this podcast. We host monthly events and workshops, have a private Slack group for CFOs, and a one-on-one member matching program. CFO Connect membership is free, but reserved for experienced finance leaders. So if that's you, head over to cfoconnect.eu and apply to join us. Well, I'd love to turn now to fundraising because uh, you had a Pretty healthy Series B round last year, a, a bit over $18 million, which is fantastic. How did you find that process?
0: I think if any finance or, or, or legal person says that they enjoy a transaction of any sort, whether it's an acquisition, a, a, a sale, um, or or a fundraise, uh, then they, they have a, a different mindset to to a lot of people. It is tough work um mm. it is really challenging it's it's uh what i would say is that i really enjoyed the outcome so actually being able to say this is something that i've done um is fantastic um it is i have never been in a situation where it has been it's gone swimmingly well i think there has been a, a, a problem in absolutely everything um that, that that has happened um this one was on the easier end because um all of the investment came from current investors so, our investors—we've we've got a couple of um, of, of really um, interested um, backers who um, who who are pushing us to to bigger and better things. Um, and they wanted to come in, um, so they knew the business. Uh, they obviously had their questions they wanted to ask, but it wasn't starting from scratch. It was building on the relationship they already had. Um, but there have been times when I um, I've had to run a process without those and and. Um that's obviously more challenging. Um, so great to to tick it off and move on and get on to the, the full-time job of actually running a business and, and creating a business that's hopefully gonna be much bigger. Did you,
1: perhaps not, as you said, this one was uh, fairly smooth sailing. Have you learned any key lessons either from this one or from previous um, transactions that you think others need to know?
0: I think a lot of it is tied to how you look at your day-to-day job anyway. Um, I would say resilience is one of the key things um, Key things there. Uh, it is very rare that you start a process um, and you, know, you set a timeline that we'll, we'll go out fundraise and that will take three months and then there'll be a month to close and then we'll have cash in the bank a month later. Um, so all in all, you know, I need to start fundraising five months before I run out of cash. Um, when you come to the real world, it never works like that. There's all, you know, even if things go really, really well, um, it's always delayed. It's always um, you know problems come up. You don't have a piece of paper that you need. you need to go and find that. Um, there are questions that um, you know pick up your accounting treatments of, of something that you you weren't paying attention to. Um, you, you need to go and resolve that. Um, so there's always something that comes up. it, it never goes perfectly. Um, so just resilience, being able to to uh, react to situations. Um, and not take everything as being the end of the world, just um, tackling problems one at a time and moving on to undoubtedly the next one that will come along.
1: Um, were you involved in the acquisition of Adbrain in 2017?
0: Uh, yes, yeah, so so we, uh, we sold our business in 2017. Um, it was great to go through that transaction. It was definitely not without its challenges um, and it was not a transaction that... Um, that everyone was happy with. So having to talk to shareholders um, and give sometimes give them um, bad news, um, whilst at the same time making sure that the business uh, landed in a good home um, was uh, was interesting experience to go through. Um, you kind of see the the true colours of uh, of individuals on the team as you're um, as you're as you're going through a transaction. Um, so I think everything that I have done has been a great learning experience. Um, perhaps not one that you kind of want to ever use again, but being able to pick up on, on those experiences so that you can, um, you can navigate your, your, your next experience, I think is probably one of the, more than my biggest learnings.
1: Mm. I'd like to turn now to the kind of finance function structure. At Permutive, obviously you're the finance director. Uh, who else is involved, or what other positions are involved?
0: Um, so I have a great and small team at the moment. Uh, so we have a, um, a finance manager who um, very much controls the day-to-day uh, mm-hmm. finance for me, um, and then I have an accounts assistant. Um, so that team, uh, on their own, are uh, are very well set up um, to to um, run that finance section. That leaves me to to oversee finance and also oversee um, legal as well.
1: So, does that make your, I guess, aims from your position to be a bit more of a service to the wider company?
0: Uh, definitely, I think as we're as we're expanding our team, as we as we are growing up as a as a function and as a business, um, mm-hmm. there are different teams that require. Uh, more input. so whether that is um information on the accounting on you know how uh, uh, the customers that are being invoiced or mm-hmm. more specifically as, as um kind of as i was saying as we grow up a little bit more um, more into the fpna side the the financial planning uh, analysis side, they are wanting um information out uh, out of the data that they That they create in their their various different teams. Um, So yes, very much um, involved in solving problems that that different teams uh, want answering.
1: We're very interested in learning how finance leaders see that partnership between the finance team and other teams in the company. How do you manage that partnership well? What are the keys to a strong partnership between finance and in the more business teams, let's say sales and marketing?
0: This is perhaps where it's easier when when you work in a small, fast growing company, because um, how, how I get to know the, the leaders of the team is that um, when, I, when I first started working with them, um, we were a team of 20. Um, so actually I was speaking to everyone in the company on a daily basis. Um, and you know, as you as you scale up, we're now a team of um, eighty five ninety. Um, it, it becomes harder and harder to 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 have the time in your day to be able to to talk to um, to to those leaders. Um, so I think being able to carve out time so that you can speak to to uh, other members of, of teams and the leaders of those teams that's that's really important. Um, I can see why it would be much harder when you're dropped in to a large organization and you have to um you have to find out which other different areas that you need to to go in to partner with uh, why that can be more difficult when um i found in most of my situations um the the relationship is built up slightly more organically
1: hmm. And how do you think you, I suppose a different way of asking the same question, but how do you think you add maximum value to the company as a finance team or a finance function?
0: The way that I view it um, is that finance has to be the brains of the organization and um, give information to, um, to, to other areas that perhaps see that there are issues or problems, but don't quite have the resources or or the know-how to be able to solve them um so uh, there's there's the there's the compliance piece which obviously is our bread and butter that's what we have to do but how do we make the company better um is by digging into the problems that our, our, our um other teams have um and uh, and and trying to solve those um so you know whether that's sales and and forecasting um to give better insights to to the sales teams um, whether that's cost of the engineering team to direct them um, and their work in certain areas that are most impactful for the business um, it is it's really trying to to create information out of the data that's already there um, to help them understand what will have the most, most impact on their work in their day-to-day job
1: you mentioned forecasting, and we're always very interested to hear how um, CFOs and finance leaders are approaching forecasting at this point in time, um, and whether perhaps that's changed a lot in the last nine months or so. Obviously, there was a lot of reforecasting being done. Uh, a lot of people we talked to were re- you know, reforecasting almost weekly or more than that, which seems a bit insane to me, but, um, you know, so I'm interested to hear what your sort of philosophy is on on that.
0: Again I think this is another area where um, I I don't feel lucky to be in this position um, given what what we have just gone through what we are currently going through. but I think that as a VC backed startup that isn't yet profitable, I'm pretty well set up for this situation because um you know I was I was losing money beforehand. the fact that I'm now losing money if there's been a big change in the circumstance in in the whole, um, ecosystem, then the kind of nothing changes for me. So forecasting to make sure that um, we either don't run out of cash or we know when we're going to run out of cash is something that I um, I am built for and so I'm, I need to make sure that the company is ready for. Um, so that I suppose my um, my general feeling of that hasn't changed. how often I need to revisit my assumptions, that that changed significantly. Um, so yes, I, I, well, I I wouldn't go as far as saying that we we're, were reforecasting uh, weekly, but we made some some big calls at the start of uh, of March in 2020. Um, and then revisited that on a monthly basis to see if our if our hypotheses were uh, were correct. Um, and when they weren't going back and, and changing those assumptions. Um, and that's really the the only way that we are Um, in the position that we we are now. Um, Thankfully, uh, you know, it's not just how you're doing as a business, it's how other businesses are doing in in your ecosystem. How are your customers doing? How are your suppliers doing? Um, It's, you know, it's not just decisions you've made, it's decisions lots of other players um, have made. um, And we kind of feel as if we are now in a position where there is slightly more stability um, coming back to to the the areas that we work in um we'll wait to see what the next 12 18 months bring
1: did covid have a large impact on the um media
0: and advertising industry it certainly had a large immediate impact um when media buyers pulled out of of many markets um they didn't want their um, their adverts being associated with anything to do with covid which pretty much decimated the um the, the, the news um, industry for for a little bit. We're certainly seeing a bounce back of that now. Um, but the decisions that companies made to be able to survive um, impact you know, how what, what advertising is um, is going to be done. Um, so we are we are confident we're really bullish that um, that the the money that is spent on advertising is going to come back. Um, it's also going to be spent much more heavily in digital. Um, mm-hmm. Whether newspapers can make use of that will depend on their, not just their um, uh, their teams, but their data strategies going forwards. Um, and in fact, what we're seeing is, and this is going to be very specific to us, um, but it is not just COVID that is um uh, going to you know be take your your front and, and foremost decisions on a on a daily weekly basis um but there is also an awful lot of regulatory and um, industry changes that are happening in advertising um and the our larger customers are still the ones that are thinking three six nine 12 months ahead um and the problems that are coming down the road then um so that is what's um, we are starting to 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 look towards the, those customers that have a slightly longer term horizon to their problems rather than just the the shorter term um, how do we make sure we get through this quarter
1: and naturally you're building those into your forecast
0: absolutely yes um which is never easy you know so our, our numbers are um the the volume is smaller and the numbers are larger so the numbers get lumpy um, I think what I would say about any forecast is the only thing you're going to get right is the fact that you're going to be wrong as long as you are um, on average right. That's that's kind of what, the way that you want to get to.
1: Well, I'd love to turn now to our quickfire questions. Um, we end every episode of the podcast with the same five questions. Um, and as I say, every single time, uh, these are quickfire, but you don't have to answer them quickly. You can take as long as you want um, you know, There's no time limit for these, but we just have five quick questions. Are you ready? Yes. Fantastic. Okay. First question. What is one finance tool you couldn't live without?
0: I'm afraid I'm going to say Excel for this one, which is probably one that you get quite a lot, but um, uh, there are a huge variety of um, software tools out there. Um, lots of them are very, very important as you scale up into them. Um, but for the most part, most of them it kind of the idea stage for me comes from putting it into Excel first, working out what your problems are, and then putting the right solution, longer-term solution, in place. Um, but there are so many things that start off in Excel. That's the one thing that I couldn't live without.
1: If there was one part of your day-to-day you could outsource completely and forget about, what would it be?
0: I do find. Um, that as as a finance leader, there are more things that um, that come my way um, outside of finance. So it's it's really uh, because no one else picks it up, um, and that again, that's probably more important as being in a smaller business and um, when you don't have um, the, the the resource or. Or the knowledge to um, to deal with specific jobs. So um, when when no one knows what to do, it normally comes my way. Um, it's it's probably that that I would love to outsource. That is a problem that is solved by getting bigger. So hopefully we can do that here at Permative by uh, by expanding and hiring in the right teams to sort that out.
1: What's the best advice you've ever received?
0: It was to be honest with shareholders, um, and um, sometimes that means telling telling bad news. Um, and I think it wasn't um, the specific advice about you know being honest with shareholders. That's probably something that is pretty important. You should do whatever, um, but it's really the the integrity um, uh, understanding that uh, even if you're going through a bad situation don't try and hold on to that information and turn it around until it until it becomes um, good information and it's solved because sometimes it doesn't get solved. So if you are honest um, with the people that you have relationships with, um, then even if you are giving bad bad news sometimes, then at least they have time to digest, time to understand, um, time to come around to to what is happening. So it's that honesty and and integrity um, that has uh, really struck home to me.
1: Which other finance leaders do you talk to or learn from regularly?
0: So there aren't any names here. Um, my mentorship um, is really peers. I don't have any any specific individuals who who I go for coffee with or, or talk to on a regular basis. Um, is having a collection of individuals so that I can ask information from, hopefully because they've gone through the same problems before um, so that I don't have to go through them. Um, so it is finance peers for me, it is finance peers of, of uh, the smaller businesses um, that, that I can pick up the phone to, uh, write a Slack message to, um, find out what they did in a similar situation um, so I can not have to go through that same situation as them when they got it wrong first time.
1: And I guess uh, on a similar note, why did you join CFO Connect?
0: Uh, yeah, that links quite nicely. So it's the the ability to to talk with um, with like-minded individuals to realize that you're not the only one who is going through this problem um, having worked at at several companies now, um, it's not even just going through the same problem at the same time. It's the same problems that, that every single company has. Um, and while there are nuances there, uh, understanding that people have had to go through this before, um, and and getting advice, getting uh, decisions, you know, talking about the best software to use in certain circumstances um, is is invaluable. Um, CFO Connect, because it expands globally. You then start to um, to be able to ask, well, I've got this problem, but what happens if I have this problem in the US or in France mm-hmm. or or in Germany? Um, and so you can you can then also start to expand your information um, uh, across the globe, uh, which is something that that you don't get when you're just talking to, to um, necessarily to finance leaders in 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 London. So um, I think that's that added benefit there.
1: Mark Yates, thank you for joining us on the podcast.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me on.
1: CFO Year is brought to you by CFO Connect, the fastest growing global community for finance leaders. Join us for webinars and workshops, get our expert resources, and be a part of an exclusive Slack group just for CFOs. Join the community and exchange ideas with CFOs from the most exciting companies in the world. Just visit cfoconnect.eu.